welcome to the podcast, everyone. This is Brother Jason, and you are listening to the Apostolic Bible Study Time. We are currently studying the book of Romans. This is episode 7. We left off in Romans 2.23. This episode, we will conclude the second chapter of the book of Romans. If you would like to uh, make any comments or ask any questions, our email address is apostolicbiblestudytime at gmail.com. That's apostolicbiblestudytime at gmail.com. Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash apostolicbiblestudytime. Again, facebook.com forward slash apostolicbiblestudytime. Both instances, that is all one word. Romans, the second chapter, the 24th verse. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you as it is written. Let's uh, go back to get an idea what he's talking about here in Ezekiel, the 36th chapter. We're going to pick up in verse 20 and read down through 23. And when they entered unto the heathen, whither they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said to them, These are the people of the Lord and are gone forth out of his land. But I had pity for mine holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen, whither they went. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. There's many uh, occupations. You don't meet too many... You don't meet too many rich apostolics. Uh, it seems like most of the preachers have to work. I know there's many exceptions to that, but uh, the pastor usually works and has a small flock he takes care of, but you have to go out into the world most of the time to make your living and to be able to provide for your family. And the problem is when you go out there and you work these jobs, you find there's always been some joker in front of you that claimed to be a preacher or he claimed to be some kind of believer. And, you know, although this is not by any means a Christian nation anymore, if it was, they wouldn't be having a conniption fit over Roe v. Wade getting overturned. But they know the general beliefs they understand that if you are professing to be a child of God, then you should be honest. If you're professing to be a child of God, then if you're making $200 a day, you should be doing $200 worth of work. Doesn't always work that way. Sometimes it's $200 worth of knowledge. People know how to do certain things that makes them worth their money. But you're out there and you've got a position with a company and you should do what you need to do to actually earn the money that you're making. But there's always been that on these jobs, people have gone out before and they just won't work. 
they'll figure they're some kind of special citizen or whatever because they're a preacher or whatever, or sometimes it's just a, a regular believer, just somebody that goes to church. But they've seen the hypocrisy so many times out there. Maybe it's just somebody with a foul mouth, but yet they claim to be a believer. Or maybe it's somebody that wants to fit in with the boys, so to speak. So they go out there and they tell dirty stories and everything. When they know, being a child of God, you are supposed to be different. If you are out there and you're living just as wild as everybody else, if you're going out there and your behavior is no better than an honest-to-goodness heathen, then exactly what are you advertising that they need? You're already just as bad as what they are. But God calls us to a higher standard. Okay, so now what does this have to do with the name of God being profaned among the Gentiles? The uh, religious Jews, because it's a whole different subject, but you, you've got atheistic Jews and you've got, j just like we have so many different uh, flavors of Christianity, you, you have different flavors of Judaism and uh, honestly with the Jewish religion, they, they don't really have the, the goods because they haven't had a temple for almost 2,000 years, and their religion is based upon temple worship. So they've made up different things as time has progressed, and they have um, done different things. But clear back in the time of Christ, uh, we've used this, I know, at least once in a previous episode, but this is what Jesus was coming against. This is what Jesus was rebuking in the book of Mark in the seventh chapter, and we're going to read 9 through verse 13. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. This tradition that Jesus is speaking about here, they claim that um, the Lord gave a different revelation to Moses that wasn't written down. And this is called the Oral Torah. Well, time progressed and they, they did write it down. They had the Mishnah or then they had the Babylonian Talmud. But this is the Oral Torah and also the traditions of the rabbis. Different things they have figured out. But sadly, we know the Ten Commandments. But if they want to, they can work their way around the Ten Commandments and be justified in their own eyes. The, the sad thing is, I don't know what kind of reward they expected to receive of God because God told them already. Let, let, let's pick back up in verse 10. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whosoever curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition which ye have delivered. 
and many such like things do ye. Now, when Jesus is coming against the scribes and he's coming against the Pharisees, and it doesn't mean that all of the Pharisees were wicked, nasty people. But these are the ones that came to Jesus, just like they came up against John the Baptist, and he is just taking their own words, and he is rebuking them. Nicodemus evidently was a very good man, and he came looking to Jesus for understanding. We get the idea also, it doesn't say it exactly, but uh, Joseph of Arimathea was evidently a Pharisee, but... He was evidently a good man. So they weren't all evil. And there's many people even today that they have figured out ways to justify themselves in their own eyes. They don't even know they are doing wrong. Uh, the, the Roman Catholics, they, they also, they have their oral tradition. They have things that they claim that Jesus taught the apostles that they didn't write down because they didn't want it to fall into the hands of the heathen. But people take this and they find ways to justify things. What Jesus was talking about here is uh, it is Corbin, like they would have a piece of property. Well, at this point in time, there were no 401ks, there were no IRAs, there was no Social Security. If you lived to be the age where you could no longer work and provide for yourself, your retirement program was your children. And if your children did not desire to do anything to help you, well, they figured out a way to work around it. Let's say that they would have a piece of property. This is what Jesus is talking talking about. It is Corbin. What they meant is this is a gift that is giving or given to God. So they can't sell that piece of property because it's God's property. But under the law, and I, I don't have this marked out, I wasn't planning on going this deep into it, but under the law, what they could do is they could give it to God, but they could still plant their crops on it, and they could still reap the uh, benefits of having the property, but since it belonged to God, they were under no obligation to help their parents. They just figured out a way to go around the law and do what they wanted to do. But um, this, this is another example. I read a book by Nehemiah Gordon. It's called The Hebrew Yeshua Versus the Greek Jesus. And I, I understand this is kind of far-fetched. Uh, I'm not reading this as truth, but this goes hand-in-hand hand with what they believe. The word of the elders and the word of the rabbis is above the Torah. Whatever the rabbis say that the Torah means is what the people must accept. Now, again, this is rabbinic Judaism. This is not talking about, there's other flavors out there, but the uh, Karaite Jews, I mean, they, they take the Torah, but they don't take the Talmud. But again, well, they've all missed their Messiah, but I guess they'll catch him next time. Um, okay. On that day, Rabbi Eleazar brought forward all of the arguments in the world. 
in favor of his position on a certain matter of ritual cleanliness. But they, being his colleagues, did not accept them from him. He said to them, If the law agrees with me, let this carob tree prove it. The carob tree leaped a hundred cubits from its place in the garden. The sages replied, No proof can be brought from a carob tree. And he said to them, If the law agrees with me, let this stream of water prove it. The stream of water began to flow backward. The sages replied, No proof can be brought from a stream of water. Again he said to them, If the law agrees with me, let the walls of this schoolhouse prove it. The walls began to shake and inclined to fall. Rabbi Joshua leaped up and rebuked the walls, saying, When disciples of sages engage in legal dispute, what is your relevance? In honor of Rabbi Joshua, the walls did not tumble. In honor of Rabbi Eleazar, they did not right themselves and are still inclined even to this day. Again, Rabbi Eleazar said to the sages, If the law agrees with me, let it be proved from heaven. A divine voice came forth and said, Why do you dispute with Rabbi Eleazar? For in matters, for in all matters, the law agrees with him. But Rabbi Joshua rose to his feet again and exclaimed, It is not in heaven. This is Deuteronomy 30 verse 12 implying that the divine law is now in human hands and open to human interpretation regardless of God's position. (laughs) Just imagine the audacity to tell God that it is now in the hands of the rabbis and it doesn't matter what God believes. (laughs) Moving right along. Sometime later, Rabbi Nathan met the prophet Elijah and asked him, What did the Holy One, blessed be he, do when rebuked by Rabbi Joshua? Imagine the tenacity of somebody believing they could rebuke the Almighty. But this is what is in their religion. This is what they believe. They believe that their rabbi's interpretation of what the Torah says has more hold over the general populace than the Torah itself. And I'm sorry, that's not in this story, but he says, what did the Holy One, blessed be he, do when rebuked by Rabbi Joshua? Elijah replied, he laughed with joy, saying, my children have defeated me. My children have defeated defeated me. And uh, I, I took this particular clipping from uh, World Religions and Global Ethics, page 166, Babylonian Talmud, Bavametzia. But uh, the, the point I'm trying to make here is God put the Torah to show man his will in how man should live. And he took the Hebrews, at this time it wasn't the Jews, it was the Hebrews. At this time it was the whole 12 tribes of Israel. And they came out and they were receiving the law from God on Mount Sinai. And when they were receiving the law of God on Mount Sinai, God meant for them to take that law and to hide it in their hearts and to go amongst the heathen and be the guiding light to guide all of these nations 
instructions to God by the Torah. He told them, just like he tells us in 1 Peter, I believe it is, but he told them that he chose them to make them a kingdom of priests. They were to be a kingdom of priests, and they were to show the ways of God to the heathen. Instead, they went out and they became mostly heathen themselves. The Jews, after a while, they lamented and they repented when God had sent them to Babylon. That was the Jews. Um, that was also Benjamin because they had kind of been put together there. But the entire 10 northern tribes, God dispersed to the four corners of the earth because they refused to obey the voice of God. When God sent the Jews into Babylon by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, it's because they were starting to worship Baal and they were starting to worship these false gods. But when they went to Babylon, they had learned their lesson. But what they did, instead of becoming sincere followers of the Almighty, they instead took the law, they took the Torah, and they turned the Torah into an object of worship that they left the being, the one that gave them the Torah, but they have, uh, everything's codified, everything's put together in these laws, and what I'm saying, uh, there's different arguments I know you could make. I understand Jesus was the Torah. That That's not what I am saying. They took the words. That's why the Apostle Paul tells us, I believe it is in 2 Corinthians, that the letter kills, but the Spirit makes alive. Well, they took that letter and they turned that letter into a god, and they worshiped that letter more than they worshiped the Creator that gave them the Torah. Okay, well, let's move along here. Romans 2 and 25, for circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. So uh, circumcision, it was the sign that was given to Abraham as a people, they would take their males and at eight days they would circumcise them the way they were supposed to be circumcised. But in the Old Testament, the way a man became part of Israel, let's say they, they came from a, a tribe way far away or maybe... Uh, maybe from a different continent, but they heard about God and they wanted to serve God. Uh, proselytes is what they're called in the New Testament, but they would receive circumcision and then they would have to keep the, the Torah. They would have to keep the law. Well, it might seem kind of odd to us, but if you think about it, when Abraham was given circumcision, this man's 70 or 80 years old and God has given him this sign. He is obviously very sincere about his walk with God if he is allowing himself to be circumcised at that age. But when they came to Mount Sinai, God was already trying to tell them. God was already trying to explain to them. Deuteronomy 10 verse 16, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. He was looking for a people that were willing to cut away the heathen part of their hearts. 
He was looking for a people that was willing to separate from the pleasures of the world, for a people that was willing to celebrate, uh, I'm sorry, to separate themselves from the heathen, circumcise their hearts, and walk for him. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. Exodus, the 22nd chapter, this is what God was trying to get across to them. This is what the Torah is all about. And ye shall be holy men unto me. There's more to that verse, but that is the point we are making here. God is looking for a people that will separate from the world, that will separate from the, the, the heathen ways of this world to circumcise their hearts and to just put it all on the altar for God. He's looking for a people that are sold out to him. Romans 2, verses 26 and 27. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee who by the letter and circumcision doth transgress the law? If you've listened, uh, we, we've already done the book of Hebrews, and as I said, this is episode seven, so I'm sure by this time you, you already know that I am very partial to the King James Version. When I was a child seeking after God, wondering how to serve God, what I needed to do, the King James Version was my version of the Bible. And then I had my time. I quit seeking after God, and I was doing what most young men do. And then I met my wife, and she just happened to be the granddaughter of an apostolic preacher, and half her uncles were apostolic preachers. And you know what? When God found me, I won't say I found God, but when God found me, once again, the Bible that I had was the King James Version. I love the King James, and it's not hard to understand the way people make it. But the problem is with the King James, we see the law, the law, the law. You know what law means. I mean, you, you break this law and you're going to jail or you break that law and you're going to jail when the Ten Commandments that God wrote with his own finger, in that instance, you don't see punishments attached to it because if you love God, you're going to keep his commandments. But the word that they translated law should not have been translated law. The Torah is instruction, or the, the Torah is teaching, because that's what it does. God said that he wanted these people to be a holy people to him. This Torah, these words that we read here, these are instructions in a way to live that is pleasing to God. Okay, so the uncircumcision keeping the law, the Torah, this is a fulfillment of Jeremiah 31 and 33, and I I know... <laughs> 
If you've been a listener for any time at all, this is a scripture I keep going back to because I feel like it is something the church has forgotten and something that they don't realize what God is trying to get across to them. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. So the way that the Gentiles are now keeping what Paul says is the righteousness of the law is because those Ten Commandments that God engraved on stone up there on Mount Sinai, he's now engraving on our hearts. He is now writing his law on our hearts. There was a time over there, uh, what is it, Second Kings in the time of Josiah, Josiah was the king and he sent them out and they were working on the temple and trying to repair, doing some different things. And they found a copy of what we believe was Deuteronomy. But when they took this to King Josiah and he understood what the book was telling him to do, then he became very upset and he started making these commands. I mean, we're going to follow this. We're going to do this. But this begs the question, how long had Judah been having church and didn't even have their Bible? Well, God says, no, no, no. We're we're, we're not going to go through this again. I'm going to do you a favor. I'm not going to write it on tables of stone anymore where you can lose it. I'm going to write it on the hearts of believers. And I understand that he said a new covenant that will he make with uh, the house of Israel and the house of Judah in those days. I understand that. We're going to cover that at a different time. We're going to move on along here. uh, Romans 2, 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is uh, that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. So circumcision of the heart, Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart. Ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. It is a heart religion. We uh, apostolics, we are holiness. I don't know how many people really pick up on what's going on, but the glory of God in the form of the pillar of smoke by day and the pillar of fire by night, it would set down over the tabernacle in the wilderness. And when God was ready to move, he would pick up and he would move. And wherever that pillar went is where Israel would go, and that's where they would pitch their tabernacle, and they would put their tents and their their different encampments and everything. They would put it over there where the pillar went. 
we can liken this to our modern day, and I, we, we could go back to Martin Luther, I understand that, and there are things that I believe that are quite harsh about uh, Martin Luther, but we're, we're not going to get into that right now, but he understood that we were saved by grace through faith, and for all his faults, that man was very bold because at the time that he came out of the Roman Catholic Church, they were burning them at the stake. They were they already burned William Tyndale and all these different people. So, I mean, this man had a backbone, but he got a hold of a portion of the truth. Well, the, the portion of truth, the, the pillar picks back up and it goes and it sets on another one, but it takes saved by grace through faith with it. And it goes over and it sets upon Charles Wesley in the seven, or John Wesley in the 1700s there. And he, they were called Methodist and he was interested in holiness. And there was a holiness movement that came out from the Wesleyan people. And it went over during that time, 1800s, late 1800s, into the 1900s and that holiness movement. Okay, we're still saved by grace through faith, but we pick up the holiness movement and the holiness movement moves over to Azusa Street where a man that had been born to former slaves comes in there, William Seymour, and he receives the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues the way it worked in the book of Acts. But the, the cloud picked up after William Seymour and it moved over where the bunch of them had gotten together and they started researching the word of God and they started looking and they started believing and said, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a second here. Nobody was ever baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But that pillar of cloud, it keeps moving. It doesn't leave the truth behind, but it brings truth with it. And this truth has the snowball effect. The doctrine that we have, the doctrine that we walk in, is not our own. You may get a brand new revelation, but it just goes into the revelation that we have received as the church. And I truly believe that God is doing something amongst the apostolics now. I believe that that pillar has picked up again. I mean, there, there was a time you've got the UPC, God bless them. I, I've preached in UPC churches. I've had UPC friends. There's a lot of good people. But that pillar has picked up because they have become too... Ah, uh, what's the best word? Uh, focused on their organization. Not saying organization in and of itself is a bad thing, but they are too organized. And it has picked up and it has moved over to a new group of people. And we're seeing people that start reading the Torah and they start getting an understanding and they start saying, whoa, this is what God requires of us. This is what God is writing on our hearts. That's where the pillar is right now. One of these days, that pillar's not going to move anymore, and the Lord is going to return. 
He's begun this good work in his people. And I'm not looking back in condemnation from any of those that have gone before, but let's move forward in God. Let's make sure that this law is written in our hearts. Let's make sure that we're carrying the Torah with us wherever we go because it is engraved in the tables of our hearts. Well, this is Brother Jason If you have any questions or comments, our email address again is apostolicbiblestudytime at gmail.com. That's apostolicbiblestudytime at gmail.com. Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash apostolicbiblestudytime. Again, that is facebook.com forward slash apostolicbiblestudytime. Next time, episode 8, we will pick up in Romans chapter 3. But until then, this is Brother Jason reminding you that Jesus is not in the Godhead. For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Till next time, goodbye and God bless. Perfection, our righteousness and power. Yeah, all we need is Jesus.